Yeah. That's not Gloria. It's not Gloria. No, no. I am. All right. I'm fucking done with Gloria. I'm not going to lie. It's over. I get it. I'm done with Gloria. I'm so fucking sick of that song. I'm so fucking sick. And they're going to run it into the ground. I am preemptively getting on. They've done like marathons. Exactly. I'm getting off that hipster train. I'm getting on it now and saying that I'm done with that song. It's annoying. It was fun while it ran, but no. But here's the thing. No. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the okay. thing. Okay. As long as they don't turn it into some fucking goal song. But you know they're going to. It's going no, to be the rally turn... squirrel of the blues. Yeah, I mean where they're going to overuse it, but they're going to do it like after victories. Not like after. It's not going to be like Chelsea Dagger where uh, the fucking. <clears throat> I, I know, I know. I hate that goddamn Ice Cream Man song. And they just resigned Andrew Shaw. Heart. Fuck you, Chicago. Fuck you, Blackhawks. But. <laughs> Welcome to welcome to Hockey Talk. Welcome. You thought you were listening to Mark's Madness. You were wrong. <laughs> We've got way off subject fast. Anyway, the important part of that is the blues. We did it. We did the thing. We did the thing with the stuff in the people. Yes. And yes. we made people from Boston sad. And that's I'm I'm yeah. sorry that and they that, held the big metal thing up. We, we did the thing and yeah. we did all of the stuff. And it's I'm. I'm happy and I don't know how to react I, to that. It doesn't it doesn't settle well with me. So I feel I feel less sad and more like like when you look back at stuff and chuckle when I yeah. see Wayne Gretzky give up the puck to Steve Eiserman yeah. or I see mm. I see Bergevin like throw a puck at his own goal by hand. I'm just like, ah, yeah. I remember when things sucked. I remember when things sucked, but we got the thing, <laughs> we now. Got the thing now. And we had a parade and it didn't turn into a shit show. No. It was delightful. It was delightful. Yes. Meanwhile, fucking fascists in Toronto trying to shoot up the Raptors happy day. Fuck you, fascists. Let the Raptors have their fun. Um, but, uh, that being said, this is not, not explicitly a, a hockey podcast Yeah, yeah. That's, for that's at least the next six months. Although Joe Pavelski just signed with the Dallas Stars and I am officially worried about that. So we'll have I, that conversation off mic later. I was going to say, I, I'm worried, but I'm worried in the sense that I still want the Blues to win games. I also, if the Blues never win another game, they did the thing. Yeah, we do the thing. I can yeah. die. Yeah. I can die. So, I can die and my, I will, I will yeah. be happy. So also, good. also. I have officially hugged um, the last uh, member of the Soviet Union who is also a member of the St. Louis Blues, um, and my I, I can die happy. Yeah, I, the, la- the last NHL player born in the Soviet Union is what Nathan's trying to say. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. Guy I hugged. Yes. Vladimir Tarasenko. I'm guy very, I hugged. I am very jealous of all of the Vladimirs that Nathan has hugged. <sighs> that I have not. Barbie was a fun hug, too. Barbie had that good Russian hug going on. <laughs> yeah, he, he, was, he was there. So anyway, speaking of We Can Die Now, let's talk about the causes to die for. <laughs> yeah, the critique of imperialism. Chapter they, 9, the critique of imperialism, which makes it sound like, well, isn't that what we're doing the whole damn time? I was about to say, isn't come that on, what the dude. whole book was? Like, but come on, it's guys. really more like the bullshit critiques of imperialism that you shouldn't fall for in. That's kind of pertinent today. So oh, there's a couple, there is one passage in this. There is one <laughs> solid paragraph, and it comes up very, very quickly. It's like I run into that every goddamn day. It, it, it. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. It's gonna be so okay, good. so we're gonna start by the critique of imperialism in a broad sense of the term. We mean the attitude towards imperialist policy of different classes of society as part of their general ideology. 
the enormous dimensions of finance capital concentrated in a few hands and creating an extremely extensive and close network of ties and relationships, which subordinate not only small and medium, but also even the very small capitalists and small masters on the one hand, and, uh, and the intense struggle waged against the other national state groups of financers for the partition of the world and the power to rule over the countries on the other hand, caused the wholesale transition of the possessing classes to the side of imperialism. The signs of the times are general enthusiasm <laughs> regarding its prospects, a passionate defense of imperialism, and every possible embellishment of its real nature. A.K.A. the editorial staff of the New York Times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the imperialist ideology also permeates the working class. There is no Chinese wall between it and other classes. The leaders of the so-called Social Democratic Party of Germany are today justly called social imperialists. That is socialist in words and imperialist in deeds. But as early as 1902, Hobson noted the existence of Fabian imperialists who belonged to the opportunist Fabian society in England. Which I'm sure... If it was a week where the Blues hadn't won a Stanley Cup and I didn't feel like drinking, I would have gone down a hole on what Fabian was, imperialism was. But it's not that week, guys, and uh, and I'm sorry. So I apologize. You're not getting a deep dive on Fabian. Or you're welcome. I'm not sure which. That sucks. I love your deep dive. I know, but the, we, we won the Cup. I don't you're care. There. Okay, fair. I don't care. All right. So anyway, uh, I, I just want to get back. You know, every possible embellishment of imperialism's real nature. I don't know how many times imperialists will try to word as anti-imperialist. Listen to Venezuelans. What about mm -hmm. the poor Kurds under Assad? You know, it's all just unbelievably craven. Yeah. And it's, it's something that they've been doing for a long time. I mean, the Dalai Lama is a... a feudal <laughs> autocrat that was booted his ass out of Tibet and and he really wouldn't even boot it out. He chose to cut and run like, you know, like a gusano out of Cuba because he wasn't going to get serfs anymore and he ran down to India like advocating for serfdom to come back and then in the U.S. we think of him as this like poor, you know, slighted religious leader and this, this all-knowing sage, mountain-living genius that you see in cartoons and he's not, he's not any of that. No. No. Not at all. Not in the least bit. He's no. he's, he's just a a you know feudal autocrat that wants his serfs back. Yep. And 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 probably is independently wealthy in ways that we can only imagine because of all the fun various ways he is in uh engaged in this fun capitalist society that everyone lives yes. in. Yes. But with that training, the US has for a long time tried to play off imperialism as some form of anti-imperialism, and they essentially trained themselves for that with the Dalai Lama, and now you see it. Not only relating to a lot of other places around the world, but specifically with China, right? You see in, uh, I think Xinjiang is how you say it, the, the western part of, of China uh, where the uh, Uyghur Muslims live. You are asking the non-pronunciation dude <laughs> to do pronunciation. And granted, I'll critique your pronunciations, but don't expect me to know how to talk words. Okay, so anyway. That's not a thing I do. Um, you know, you of course have Hong Kong, and the stupid thing is Hong Kong is... is the, the protesters are saying, kick out these Chinese imperialists. And they're, and they're saying stuff like, the queen made us the jewel of the Orient, which is the most racist shit I've ever heard. Ah, I was about and, to say, and communist shit. China took our, our money and stuff. And they're holding up signs. And the signs have Union Jack flags yeah, on them. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just... <laughs> it's, so a, it's, it's a night... It, 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 and again, you see it, it, it's almost constant. And I think the next... 
the next paragraph really, I think, hits that mm-hmm. also really, really well, which is the bourgeois scholars and publicists usually come out in defense of imperialism in a somewhat veiled form and obscure its complete domination and its profound roots. They strive to concentrate attention on details and secondary characteristics and do their very best to distract attention from the main issue by means of ridiculous schemes for reform, (laughs) quote-unquote, such as police supervision of the trusts and banks, etc. Less frequently, cynical and frank imperialists speak out and are bold enough to admit the absurdity of the idea of, quote-unquote, reforming the fundamental features of imperialism. Hi, guys. The Democratic debates were the other night. Mm. Welcome to a whole round of that paragraph. Mm. Oh, just a whole bunch of people standing Mm. on a stage saying, but guys, if if we're just mean to the bank people, they'll do the thing we want and we can have good capitalism. It, no one even willing to eat. No one. B- Bernie Sanders, the 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 their leftist of leftists that they've got right now. No one is actually willing to interrogate the actual root of the problem, oh, and yeah. it's 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 even, fucking insane. Even Bernie in, in surrounding interviews is calling shit out. Like, uh, what was the thing where he's you know it's just a, a strategic bombing or the the person tried to say yeah and yeah he was like yeah no that's oh, an act of that's war. an act of war oh yeah. cool been a great if you'd have been there for Yugoslavia Bernie right right where the yeah. where the fuck were you then boy Tito I mean, sure would have appreciated the help right I mean it's like what the fuck are you doing you're calling you're calling Venezuela in need of intervention it, and you're you know but at least that doesn't make that statement of his wrong you know no. they'll even admit it to play this this devil's advocate and be the good guy and the peace loving yeah. guy. And again, and, and and again, is is Bernie Sanders still probably the best route to some serious harm reduction in this country in some degree? If my options are any of the other people on that fucking stage and or Donald Trump, yeah, I mean, fuck, okay, yeah. I'm gonna do is, that. Is that even worth putting effort into? It's debatable. Yeah, yeah, you do. The, you do. The, the harm's thing. really bad. It's a lot of effort for a little reduction that could be put towards revolution. Now, that being said, if we can wipe out all student debt, that's a lot of freed income that we can put towards some revolution. I can buy a lot of Molotov cocktails for my student loan payment. <laughs> I am just saying. I can I can, I can, can make some things happen. Well, and it's and, and it's a lot of revolutionaries that aren't dying at a younger age, too. Yeah, yeah. and again, I, so again, and this is, oh, God, our divergence into electoralism. Welcome, guys! It's fun! <laughs> Chapter 9 is not already going to be long enough. You know, let's, 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 thank yeah, I was going to say. No, that's a great that. idea. Let's save that for chapter. You know what, David? Thank you for keeping me on track. It's that Let's kind of commitment to uh, <laughs> commitment to, to, to railroading that I appreciate. For, for people that want to get in the electoralism, maybe we'll do left-wing communism and infile, infantile disorder at some point. If nah. not, I know Red Menace is I was about it. to say, Red Menace is doing it. And, uh, and I would strongly recommend anyone to read it anyway. So anyway. please, God, read that. Also, this is the first of many times that I'm going to plug that very soon we're doing a crossover with Brendan Allison and I'm very, very, very yes, excited for yes. it. <laughs> so, uh, so Red Menace does a little differently than us. They do more overview of the ideas of the theory, which is fine. No, they do, yes. And they do a great job. And then they, they do some more, like, you know, kind of tacked on to, well, what does it mean to us? And and uh, How does this inform our practice? How, how does this inform, inform our practice? Our, our and uh, Yeah, and, and in their style, uh, they've done a couple of books that we've done, including this book right now. They've also done Left-Wing Communism and Infi- Infantile Disorder. And that book is where Lenin gets into, you know, obviously, it's not like electoralism is wrong and you should deny it on principle. That's stupid. 
but you also have to say think about what does this do for our revolution everything yes. is what practically does this do for our revolution yes. and uh, so that would be a, a better source of that than a long off the cuff discussion that distracts from this very long chapter <laughs> So let's table that and recommend that reading and that listen. And plug and plug a, a podcast that absolutely does not need our plug because if you're listening to us, of course you're listening to Red Menace. What are you doing? If you're not, God damn it, stop right now. Go listen to Red Menace for a while and then come back. We'll wait. <laughs> All right, so continuing on, uh, Lennon says, we'll give an example. The German imperialist attempt in the magazine Archives of World Economy. Can we focus on for a fact? I was I was listening to this part. I was uh, I I do a little mix of read and listen as I do. Um and uh and I heard we will give an example of the German imperialist in the magazine and I was getting ramped up. I was getting my drops ready. I was excited. And they didn't give me Die Bank. I'm so upset <laughs> that they're referencing a magazine that is not Die Bank. I, I don't I'm not happy about it. So archives of world economy just sounds lame. Yes. It sounds like a horrible encyclopedia. It really does. So anyway, Archives of World Economy, to follow the movements for national emancipation in the colonies, particularly, of course, in colonies other than those belonging to Germany. Of course, they, they critique everything that isn't German. Uh, you'll, yeah, yeah you'll, you'll notice that from U.S. outlets, uh, too. That's yeah, just a little kind of bit, a thing. little yeah. bit. They note the ferment and protest movements in India, the movement in Natal, I guess how you Natal. say it. They, okay, it's South Africa now. Um, the movements in the Dutch East Indies, etc. One of them commenting on an English report of speeches delivered in a conference of subject peoples and races held t- June twenty eighth, nineteen or June twenty eighth to thirtieth, nineteen ten. Subject peoples and races. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They just come right out and say it. Yeah. They? They're not. Yeah. They're they're doing it. At which representatives and various peoples subject to foreign domination in Africa, Asia, and Europe were present. Writes as follows in appraising the speeches delivered at the conference. So this is what was written in the boring encyclopedia of world crap. Uh, We are told that we must fight against imperialism, that the dominant states must recognize the right of subject peoples to home rule, that an international tribunal should supervise the fulfillment of treaties concluded between the great powers and weak peoples. One does not get any further than the expression of these pious wishes. We see no trace of understanding of the fact that imperialism is indissolubly bound up with capitalism in the present form. Double exclamation, exclamation points. points. Double exclamation points. I don't know why I made a hand gesture to a microphone. No, no, no. Double, Double exclamation, exclamation points. points. And therefore, also, no trace of the realization that an open struggle against imperialism will be hopeless unless perhaps the fight is confined to protests against a certain of its specially abhorrent excesses. Now, I... <laughs> I just really want to like re-highlight that, right? Uh-huh. I mean, just even they're even admitting yeah. in their conference, like nothing's hopeless unless you just you know only specifically protest the really really bad stuff. Now, this obviously you know? this uh, this conference of subject people obviously did not have a Haitian delegation because no. I'm pretty sure the Haitian delegation would have stood up at that point and gone, "Fuck off, you can fight it. Let's go, boys. Yeah, yeah strap in. We've got some work to do." But I mean, that that is a problem that that you see in countries. Is, is they just wait till the really bad stuff and protest that in the United States now, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. 
uh, you know, we don't have a problem with the the border and deportations and being a settler colony in general, but we get to the child separation and no, 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 you know, that, that's you, a little too far. No, no, our line in the sand is apparently actual concentration camps is just our, our, our one no, thing. No, that's, that... that's not quite a line because that's still getting hotly debated. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Don't do it. Don't do it to kids, though. Yeah. That'll, that'll get you in trouble. Yeah, they're actual concentration camps, by there, the way, if anybody's it's, wondering. It's, yeah, it's they bad. shouldn't be wondering. This is not a debate. Way. Yeah, this is not a debate here. So. Since the reform of the basis of imperialism is a deception, a pious wish, since the bourgeois representatives of oppressed nations go no further forward, the bourgeois representatives of the oppressing nation go further backward to civility towards imperialism, concealed by the cloak of science, logic, Indeed! Exclamation <laughs> point. You can't fight these illegal wars. We need the Congress-approved ones. Oh, Jesus, it's so bad. The question as to whether it is possible to reform the basis of imperialism, whether to go forward to the aggravation of the antagonism which it engenders, or backwards towards the allaying these antagonisms, is a fundamental question in the critique of imperialism. As a consequence of the fact that the political features of imperialism are reaction all along the line, and an increased national oppression resulting from the oppression of the financial oligarchy and the elimination of free competition, a democratic petty bourgeois opposition has been rising against imperialism in almost all imperialist countries since the beginning of the 20th century. And the desertion of Kautsky and of the broad international Kautskyan trend from Marxism is displayed in the very fact that Kautsky not only did not trouble to oppose, not only was not able to oppose this petty bourgeois reformist opposition, which is really reactionary in its economic basis, but in practice actually became merged with it. Mm-hmm. Guys, let them, when they tell you what they want to do, listen. They're 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 not they're they're not hiding it. It's it's listen to what they're actually saying and then ask is that in line with what i actually want is that is that what we're actually wanting or is that no no that's not good i don't want that that's that, that's bad yeah hey hey they're leaking documents from these uh, whistleblowers great and oh yeah they're the primary Uyghur muslim po- propaganda you know yeah. don't 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 fluff that outlet up you know no. don't don't do that kowski don't do that don't do that kowski <laughs> in the united states the imperialist war waged against Spain in 1898 stirred up an opposition of the anti-imperialists. They dec- <laughs> this <laughs> Just read it, please. The last of the Mohicans of bourgeois <laughs> democracy. I literally, I had to stop. I was, I was, I was listening to that part too, and I literally had to hit pause and stop to laugh for like two minutes because all I'm imagining is just Daniel Day Lewis as an anti, just like oh, some God. some weird Daniel Day Lewis opposing Spain. Just, I'll find you. Run. <laughs> going through a waterfall because that's apparently how my brain works. Oh, God, it was, it was a fun, it was a fun couple minutes. <laughs> Let it continues. They declared this war to be criminal. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. Denounce the annexation of foreign territories as being in violation of the Constitution. You have to adhere to the Constitution. Yes, sorry, the Constitution. The thing, guys. And denounce the jingo treachery by <sighs> means of which. Yeah, I'm glad you had to read that. Yeah, not me. Iguinaldo, leader of the native Filipinos, was deceived. The Americans promised him the independence of his country, but later they landed troops and annexed it. Weird. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Weird. Huh. Almost like we have a type. 
Yeah. Mm. We have a thing. Mm. Oh, mm. and guys. Anyone anyone who uh, who wants to take a look uh, into what Lennon's talking about there, I'd recommend doing that before ever forming any thoughts about Rahava, ah, by the way. And now, now guys, yeah. the thing you thought might never happen but did happen actually in existence, it's, it's pointed to right here. Lenin quoting Lincoln. <laughs> when the white man governs himself, that is self-government. But when he governs himself and also governs others, it is no longer self-government. It is despotism. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what that quote is. I'm very concerned. I don't did, You don't know that Lenin quotes it. Like how I don't I didn't know that Lincoln I didn't know Lincoln, Lincoln yeah. was uh uh the so Lincoln's for it's, weird ethno states now because only white people can govern themselves. I'm confused. It, it would explain his war crimes in the Dakotas a little better. A little better. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. they're there. Yeah, that would absolutely make sense. Yeah. There are no good presidents, by the way. Anyone None. ever wondering? None. There's no good presidents. No good presidents. They're presidents. all genocidal monsters. All... all of them. Okay. So Lenin continues. <sighs> But while all this criticism shrank from recognizing the indissoluble bond between imperialism and the trust, and therefore between imperialism and the very foundations of capitalism, while it shrank from joining up with the forces engendered by large-scale capitalism and its development, it remained a pious wish. This is also, in the main, the attitude of Hobson in his criticism of imperialism. Hobson anticipated Kautsky in protesting against the inevitability of imperialism and in calling for the need to raise the consuming capacity of the people under capitalism, Lenin adds. <laughs> the petty bourgeois point to the view in the critique of imperialism, the domination of the banks, the financial oligarchy, etc., is that adopted by the authors we have often quoted, such as... A, a guy... list of guys that we don't care about. Yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. All of these authors who make no claim to being Marxist contrast imperialism with free competition and democracy. They condemn the Baghdad railway scheme as leading to disputes and war, utter pious wishes for peace, etc. This applies also to the compiler of international stock and share issue statistics, who after calculating the hundreds of billions of francs representing international values, exclaimed in 1912, it is possible to believe that the peace can be distributed... Disturbed. Disturbed, sorry. That in the face of these enormous figures, anyone would risk start anyone would risk starting a war. So again, we're gonna back that up a little bit. So is it possible to believe that the peace can be disturbed? That in the face of these enormous figures, anyone would risk starting a war. That's the sentence of basically that that was the 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 petty bourgeois. But guys, it's a global economy. We who would dare? Yeah. We wouldn't. We wouldn't start wars, and and it would possibly disrupt the money. We wouldn't do that. That's too rich. No one would that start would, wars. Even our profits if we started wars. There's it no cost us too even much. And, and and even that is wrong. Like it's so it's such sure. a bad concession that it's like, well, if all the money's tied up together internationally, then we won't fight a war. Sure, but I mean, I say in 1912. It's explicitly, it's explicitly the uh, uh, the smart solutions that work for everybody, and that's why we just need smarter reforms and better economic education. Thumbs up, soak deming. Except instead of being pious wishes of the future, it's pious wishes of what we have now. Literally, look at all of the Elizabeth Warren and all of the fun. We just need to regulate the banks, and everything will be okay, and you can, mm -hmm. and you'll keep them, and then nothing will be bad, and everyone will be happy. In 1912. 
Is it possible to believe that peace can be disturbed? Why would anyone risk starting a war? Guys, 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 guys. It, it's it, 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 it never works. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like when people, you know, parent and they just like, you know, they, they, they spank their kid and then it didn't work. And so they just spank harder. They never ask, like, why doesn't that work? Yeah. What 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 caused the kid to, to go awry and do something I need to teach them better than? How do I teach them better? They just go, fucking got to do yeah. something. And yeah. it's 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 this on a world scale that's very, and it's very the con- deadly. So they, they, their, their justification for imperialism is, mm-hmm. well, if we imperialize everything and, 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 and link everything together in this fun global chain, then at least there won't be wars. That'll yeah. make it worth it, right? World War One breaks out. Yeah, I mean. Um. Okay, so that part didn't work at all. Are we gonna no. interrogate maybe if the capitalism is the problem? Nah, nah. No, it's nah. exactly why idealism doesn't work, and materialism is necessary because if you don't investigate the actual cause, idealism can identify the problems all at once. It can come up with neat sounding solutions that it can tell you is right all at once. They're never gonna be right. No, because nothing's been reckoned with. No, not at all. Unless, of course, you get Marianne Williams involved, in which case you're going to get that great, great uh, uh, voodoo witch magic on board. You're going to get that uh, that crazy ant energy bringing us to uh, spiritual solutions that will solve all of all, all of the world's ills because we just will will peace into existence via the secret. I am so glad that woman was on stage. Oh, my God. I needed that moment of levity. I needed someone to at least acknowledge that it was all a joke, and she was there for it. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. <laughs> So anyway, uh, such simplicity of mind on the part of bourgeois economists is not surprising. Besides, it is in their interest to pretend to be so naive and to talk seriously about peace under imperialism. But what remains of Kautsky's Marxism when in 1914 to 15 to 16, he takes up the same attitude as the bourgeois reformist and affirms that everybody is agreed, imperialist, pseudo-socialist, social pacifist, as regard to peace. Instead of an analysis of imperialism and an exposure of the depths of its contradictions, we have nothing but reformist pious wish to wave it aside to evade it. Here's an example of Kautsky's economic criticism of imperialism. He takes statistics of British import and export trade with Egypt from 1872 and 1912. And these statistics show that the import and export trade has developed more slowly than British foreign trade as a whole. From this, Kautsky concludes, we have no reason to suppose that the British trade with Egypt would have been less developed as a result of the mere operation of economic factors without military occupation. The urge of the present-day states to expand can be satisfied not by the violent methods of imperialism, but by peaceful democracy. Speaking of... Oh, welcome to welcome to Nathan's Twitter corner, uh, because there's uh, there's a guy and I'm not even gonna give his fucking handle on Twitter because fuck him he doesn't matter he's a goddamn <laughs> watermelon and his, his, but there was this gentleman that made some very bad bad calls in light of the Andy whatever that fuck that fascist reporter oh, that got milkshakes on him yeah, and then claims mil- that he's having a brain hemorrhage because yeah. someone threw a milkshake at him. Yeah, I'm um, gonna call him Milkshake Duck because he's very uh, racist and covered in milkshakes. <laughs> yeah. I did look that that tweet, the picture of the backpack. So this is a peaceful protest. This backpack covered in. What? Did you hear they're trying to say it was like cement mixed milkshakes? And it's like yeah. there's no way your the skin would be like it, melting. I was off. about to say also, yeah, it, quite obvious that everyone making this critique has never worked a day in their life and never worked with cement because yeah, I'm just gonna mix my cement in a paper cup. You have never worked with cement one day in your life. That's no. not how this works. You idiot. no, yeah, but you on, goddamn t- moron. on top of that, not only would the cement have an acidic effect there, but some of these right wing 
characters have heard that. Like, they got this, you're lying. He would have these sores all over for the aesthetic effect. And what they've done is they've looked up, like, WebMD and Wikipedia articles of of the, the sores that come up from it. And then they've posted just the pictures from those articles of, like, someone's hand up close. And they've gone, this is what your milkshakes do to people. Still call it a peaceful protest. And it's like... They, they did nothing to that, anybody. Not, nothing. None of that happened. You're all idiots. But this gentleman uh, got called out for basically trying to defend uh, that we shouldn't have been mean to that poor uh, fascist. Yeah. Um, and then that posted... his people on 4chan into death. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And then posted a 25-tweet uh, oh, uh, memorandum on what socialism really should be, guys. And the whole thing is nonsense. But the part that broke my brain and required me to reply to his idiot ass was... Socialism should be 100% peaceful. It should be initiated through entirely peaceful democratic means. It should be pacifistic. It should be anti-war. Oh my god, you dumb motherfucker. Like, you dense, dense idiot, you. What? Yeah. Look what you've done, you... Point at chapter 9 imperialism. Look what you did. Look, you... Yeah, it would be super fun. But then someone posted a picture. I know there was a... uh, uh, a revolutionary who said something to the effect of, yeah, of, of nonviolence only works when your opponents have a conscience. Nice. Um, and, and it's just, it's so, it's so anti-materialist this time and funny. It's, oh yeah, that'd be great if we could just get to world peace by grabbing each other's hands and singing fucking Kumbaya. Uh, but if you don't notice, there are fucking fascists out there and they're not going to be nice to you. Yeah. I mean, You're not going to elect your way out of that. You dumb motherfucker. <laughs> so that was the, the Nazis Twitter. that were, that were uh, defeated by peaceful election. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, 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 I'm sure, yes, yes, St- the Battle of Stalingrad was a very peaceful, pacifistic event for everyone. I just, I, this, I, 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 I want to know what goes on in these people's heads. They think there's going to be, like, some war where people are exchanging fire and they just, like, walk up untouched like some messianic person. Yeah. It's, it's Kylie Jenner from the, from the Pepsi commercial. She's yeah. just going to hand the cop a Pepsi, take off her wig, and life will be great. That's right, everybody, it's all good, it's no, all good. No, it's because they all solutions. really, they all really think that the answer is going going to be there's going to be like a debate between Ben Shapiro and a socialist and then a, and then Ben's going to acknowledge that he was wrong and then everyone will move forward into a happy utopia because that's how well, conflict is And you is think resolved. about it, right? I mean like fascism not only as an ideology if it's allowed to flourish has only shown genocide in its existence and is definitionally genocidal, but People think about mass shootings. That's the only kind of gun thing they think about. That's why yeah. we're so focused on that. And we've talked about the gun stuff before. Yes. And how, you know, people are so focused on mass shooting when they're a tiny percentage of gun deaths. It's usually, you know, intimate partner violence or suicide or something like that, right? Um, but even within the mass shootings, they're so overwhelmingly fascist. They have killed hundreds of people over the last few years. And then a fascist gets hit with a milkshake. And, and, and we must the stop coverage, the presses. The coverage is just so radically different. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. a bizarre it's a bizarre hell world that we live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a school shooting, and you can't mention that the kids in in the ROTC program. That would be uncouth. But <laughs> but a guy a guy trips into a milkshake, and, <laughs> and it's these damn anti-fascists and their ideologies are going to kill the world. I, the pictures he tweeted of himself in the ER were just so. It's like. 
Dude, I got a. I, I worked on my deck yesterday and had a worse looking black eye than you did. Like, what the fuck? You went to the ER for that? Like, you want to know why we can't have universal health care? It's because you went to the ER for that, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You dumb, dumb bit. And now they're trying to say he has a he has a brain bleed. How dare we critique him? How dare we challenge his authenticity? Yeah. He's got. This is like the fucking. What was it? Uh, 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 which of the grifters? was the one that went to the hospital and said that he had a back injury and was going to die, and they made him sit out on the sidewalk and because he's awful. It's one of the grifters. I don't remember oh, which one. It doesn't know. matter. Um, but it, it's just this... It, it's the same shit every time, and we just keep falling for it, and it's angry. So I'd rather listen to Lennon talk so I can be less angry. Yeah, let's Lennon get back talk. to Lennon. So Lennon laughs at Kowski says, This argument, which is repeated in every key by Kowski's armor bearer and the Russian protector of social chauvinists, Mr. Spectator. Now, I thought for a second that yeah. this was actually not a real person. I, I was pretty convinced. <laughs> now, like, you like can't blame I thought it was Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> because who the fuck's name is Mr. Spectator, for Christ's sake? That obviously can't be real. There's no way that's a person. This is a fun character Lennon has created. And then three quarters of the way through the chapter, I realized, oh, fuck, it's a real dude. Okay, that changes things. All right, sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, so Mr. Spectator, the real dude. The real actual human being. <laughs> forms the basis of Kautsky and criticism of imperialism, and that is why we must deal with it in greater detail. We will begin in a quotation from Hilferding, whose conclusions, as Kautsky on many occasions, and notably in April 1915, declared to have been unanimously adopted by all socialist theor- theoreticians. Theoreticians, sorry. I, uh, it's, it's, we're, we're drinking and it's words. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, this, uh, Hilferding's words are, it is not the business of the proletariat to contrast more progressive capitalist policy to that of now bygone era of free trade and of hostility towards the state. The reply of the proletariat of the economic policy of finance capital to imperialism cannot be free trade, but socialism. The aim of the proletarian policy cannot now be the ideal restoring of free competition, which has now become a reactionary ideal, but the complete abolition of competition by a abolition of capitalism. Go, Hilferding! Yes. <laughs> Get it, Hilfer! <laughs> and Lenin jumps back in. Kowski departed from Marxism by advocating what is in the period of finance capital a reactionary ideal. Peaceful democracy, the mere operation of economic factors, etc. For objectively, this ideal drags us back from monopoly capitalism to non-monopolist stage and is a reformist swindle. They're literally just asking, could we please go back to that earlier stage of capitalism where there weren't monopolies? Yeah, tax billionaires 70% uh, except war. It, That's what they're it's, doing. It's it's literally like got got. Hey hey guys, did you read Capital? Are you, you you know the earlier stage of capitalism before the monopoly stuff was not great either. No, like and, what and kind of definitionally leads right, right back. back. Like all you're asking for is can we go back? Can we like restart? So that we can get back here in 50 years again. Like, what is... That, that's not an end game. Yeah. No. That's not an end... That's, that's not, not a, revolutionary. That's nothing. Nope. That's nothing. Letting continues, trade with Egypt or with any other colony or semi-colony would have been better developed without material occupation, without... Military imperialism. occupation. What's that? I said military occupation. No, you said some material occupation. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm pausing and we're going to redo it. Okay. And that paragraph again, please. 
Whenever you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Trade with Egypt or with any other colony or semi-colony would have been better developed without military occupation, without imperialism, and without finance capital. What does this mean? <laughs> that capitalism would develop more rapidly if free competition were not restricted by monopolies in general, by the connections or the yoke, i.e. the monopoly of finance capital, or by the monopolist possession of all the colonies by certain countries? Kautsky's argument can have no other meaning, and this meaning is meaningless. <laughs> But suppose, for the sake of argument, free competition without any sort of monopoly would develop capitalism and trade more rapidly. Is it not a fact that the more rapidly trade and capitalism develop, the greater is the concentration of production and capital, which gives rise to monopoly? And monopolies have already come into being, precisely out of free competition. Even if monopolies have now begun to retard progress, it is not an argument in favor of free competition, which has become impossible since it gave rise to monopoly. It is... I, I don't understand how Kautsky could have possibly called himself a Marxist. Mm-hmm. I don't. And it's upsetting because it's like... I, 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 you, you're calling yourself a Marxist, but you're, ex, you're, you're just explicitly denying that the analysis done in capital was correct. Yeah. Because if, you're, if your argument is, let's just get back to free competition, it, literally the book that, that, that defines your, your, your sociopolitical economic idea says this will lead to monopoly. There is no other option. There is no way to stop it. This, and that's the central foundational that is the, That is the starting point. And you build from there. If you take that away, it's nothing. It means nothing. So what the fuck are you doing, Kautsky? What the fuck are you doing? I also love this paragraph. Oh, it's so good. Because not only is it just straight up good, but it's the exact kind of smart ass that I am when I talk about sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have big Lennon energy when it comes to, yes. to arguing about sports. Yeah, it's, it's so fucking bad. So let it continues. Whichever way one turns Kautsky's argument, one will find nothing in it except reaction and bourgeois reformism. Even if we modify this argument and say, as Spectator says... As Mr. Passerby says... <laughs> right. Mr. Moneybags Jr. says... Mr. Pedestrian, because this is a name and it's a real dude and it's a guy. That the trade of the British colonies with the mother country is now developing more slowly than their trade with other countries. It does not save Kautsky, for it is also monopoly and imperialism that is beating Great Britain. And it is only the monopoly and imperialism of another country, America, Germany... It is known that the cartels have given rise to a new and peculiar form of protective tariff. Goods suitable for export are protected. Engels noted this in Volume 3 of Capital, which everybody has definitely read. Oh, we've all definitely yeah, read Volume definitely 3 of Capital. That. Yeah, that's the one that we, we've <laughs> definitely dug into. It is known, too, that the cartels of finance capital have a system peculiar to themselves that is exporting goods at dumping prices, or dumping as the English call it. With a given country, the cartel sells its goods at a high price fixed by monopoly. Abroad, it sells them at a much lower price to undercut the competitor to its Enlarge its own production to the utmost, etc. It Walmart's the world economy. It, it essentially. absolutely Walmart's the world economy. Mm-hmm. Lenin news of German trade with the British colonies is developing more rapidly than that of Great Britain with the same colonies. It only proves that German imperialism is younger, stronger, and better organized than British imperialism. <laughs> it is superior to it. 
Yep. Get out of here, you old crashy old money man. Yeah, I'm a, I'll show you how to imperialism, damn it. <laughs> Hold my beer. But this by no means proves the superiority of free trade, for it is not free trade fighting against protection and colonial dependence, but two rival imperialisms, two monopolies, two groups of finance capital. The superiority of German imperialism over British imperialism is stronger than the wall of colonial frontiers or of protective tariffs. To use this as an argument in favor of free trade and peaceful democracy is banality. It is to forget the essential features and qualities of imperialism, to substitute petty bourgeois reformism for Marxism. It is interesting to note that even the bourgeois economist, uh, Landsberg, whose criticism of imperialism is petty bourgeois as Kautsky's, nevertheless got closer to the more scientific study of commercial statistics. He did not compare merely one country chosen at random in a colony with the other countries. He examined the export trade of an imperialist country, one, with the countries which are financially dependent on it, which borrow money from it, and two, with the countries that are financially independent. Now we're not going to go through the numbers of the results. We're going to kind of jump down. Yeah, to we're, we're going to ignore. We're going to ignore the big giant uh, uh, chart because that's why you're yes. here. Yes, <laughs> Landsberg did not add up the columns, and therefore, strangely enough, failed to observe that if the figures prove anything at all, they prove that he is wrong. For the exports to countries financially dependent on Germany have grown more rapidly, if only slightly, than those to countries which are financially independent. We emphasize the if for Landsberg's figures are far from complete. Um, then we're skip and then we're going to skip that in giant, giant chunk. Yeah, this is the... <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yep, uh-huh. And it's then it goes, from all these facts, Lambergs draws the amusing petty bourgeois moral of how unstable any regular export trade is when it's bound up with loans. How bad it is to invest in capital abroad instead of naturally and harmoniously developing the home country. How costly and backsheesh that... Don't know what that word is. That Krupp has to pay in floating foreign loans, etc. But the facts are clear: the increase in exports is closely connected with the swindling tricks of finance capital, which is not concerned with bourgeois morality, but with skinning the ox twice. First, it came with the pockets for the profits in the loan. Then it pockets the other profits from the same loan, which the borrower uses to make purchases from Krupp or to purchase railway material from Sealston, etc. So. And backsheesh is a uh, an alms or a tip. It's basically like oh, okay. a, a petty amount that you toss on as a as a add on to something. So ah, how right. how costly is the 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 pittance they throw away in order to make these giant monster gotcha. profits? Gotcha. Carnegie can make millions off being a corrupt uh, uh, cartel runner, but he'll throw the pennies out the window at, uh-huh. at the poor people type uh-huh. thing. Gotcha. So anyway, but I love this sentence. The increase of exports is closely connected with the swindling tricks on financial capital, which is not concerned with bourgeois morality. No. None of these ruling class assholes are ever concerned with bourgeois morality. Cut that out of your Civil- head. But civility, guys, but it's civil- important. Just, You've got to be just civil. educate them just right. You've yeah. got to be civil. But with skinning the ox twice. And that's and that's what he said. And that, I think that lays that out better than the second half of the sentence. But it does. The, the second half of the sentence is meant to detail it. Basically, they loan you something, right? These these big monopolistic banks, the World Bank, the IMF, you know, Deutsche Bank, whatever it is, right? Um, they loan to your country for your infrastructure needs. And agreement alone is you got to do this, this freer market and take their ec- imports or whatever. And then with that loan money, well, now they've got to buy these supplies and you have these agreements with them. Or maybe you just have a, a monopoly on those supplies. So now they have to buy back from you. 
Yeah. Right. And again, you know, I mean, we, we talk about Walmartifying. That's what Walmart does with food stamps, right? They yeah. underpay a bunch of workers, so the workers have to use food stamps. And then they're like the biggest taker of food stamps for groceries. Finance Capital created the company store, but the company store is just everything. It's all the things. It's all the stuff. Yeah. That's... And it's one of the things like, oh, we don't have the co company store anymore. Well, you don't explicitly have the company store anymore. You don't explicitly have feudalism anymore, but we essentially have a caste system. I oh, mean, it's, yeah. it's just pervasiveness. It's it's just hiding it and shimmied it away, you know. So bad. Uh, so Len is going to continue. We repeat that we do not by any means consider Landsberg's figures to be perfect, but we had to quote them because they are more scientific than Kautsky's and spectators and because Landsberg showed the correct way of approaching the question. In discussing the significance of finance capital in regard to exports, one must be able to single out the connection of exports, especially solely with the tricks of the financiers, especially and solely with the sale of goods by cartels. Simply to compare colonies with non-colonies, one imperialism with another, one colony with all the other countries is to evade and tone down the gist of the question. And that's what is considered. You know, Lennon says, hey, this is the only guy that went apples to apples. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. And it was still pretty garbage as an analysis because you're sure, not sure. getting to but the real Lennon question. was saying, look, this is at least the right approach and we can use these numbers. Yep. Uh, Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> you got Strap to in. This one Strap in. Yep. Here I go. Okay, guys. The notorious theory of Ultra-imperialism, invented by Kautsky, is equally reactionary. Compare his arguments on the subject in 1915 with Hobson's argument in 1902. Kautsky, whether the present imperialist policy cannot be supplemented by a new ultra-imperialist policy, which will introduce the joint exploitation of the worlds by international united finance capital in place of the mutual rivalries of national finance capital. Such a new phase of capitalism is at any rate conceivable. Can it be achieved? Sufficient premises are still lacking to enable us to answer this question. Hobson. Christendom thus laid out a few great feudal and federal empires, each with a retinue of uncivilized dependencies, seems to be to many the most legitimate development of present tendencies, and one which would offer the best hopes of permanent peace on an assured basis of inter-imperialism. <laughs> Kautsky called ultra-imperialism, or super-imperialism, what Hobson 13 years earlier had described as inter-imperialism. Except for coining a new and clever word by replacing one Latin prefix with another, the only progress Kautsky has made in the sphere of scientific thought is that he has labeled as Marxism that which Hobson in effect described as a Kant of English Parsons. After the Anglo-Boer War, it was quite natural that this worthy caste should exert every effort to console the British middle class and the workers who had lost many of their relatives on the battlefields of South Africa and who were obliged to pay high taxes in order to guarantee still higher profits for the British financiers. And what better consolation could there be than the theory that imperialism is not so bad? That it stands close to inter- or ultra-imperialism, while it promises permanent peace. No matter what the good intentions of the British Parsons or the sentimental Kautsky may have been, the only objective, i.e. real social meaning, that Kautsky's theory can have is that it is the most reactionary method of consoling the masses with hopes of permanent peace being possible under capitalism, detracting their attention from the sharp antagonisms and acute problems of the present era, and directing it along illusionary perspectives of an imaginary ultra-imperialism of the future. Deception of the masses, there is nothing... But this in Kautsky's Marxian theory. And again, it is what you preach to people when they are desperate and sick of a war. When they don't yeah. want conflict anymore. When they're broken of that desire, 
you promise them the thing that will keep that from happening, and then you somehow make that capitalism? You, well, I mean, they've so much done it that it's essentially in the, the veins of everybody. Everybody immediately, when they hear troops, they jump to heroes who risk their lives to maintain peace. Because people should be tired of every war out there. Yeah. And it's, you know, why are we disrupting peace? Well, this is really what's maintaining peace. I mean, after yeah. all, you know, we're we're fighting in the, the Middle East, and the only democracy there is the U.S.-backed and protected Israel. You oh, know, I thought you were going to say Saudi Arabia for a second there. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, just as bad as the <laughs> puppet thing, but at least it's not an explicit feudal state, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you get it, right? That That's part of the bullshit. Never mind that it ignores, you know, Lebanese democracy or that, you know, Iran is, is still fairly democratic, um, even if it isn't what it used to be there. And, and the fact that Iran and Iraq were much more democratic and it was the imperialism of the United States that busted that mm. for oil. You and know. destabilized the entire region and created the whole problem that they're trying to fix. Right, right. And Libya, you know, they crashed Libya. Um, but, you know, the idea is, oh, well, it's it's the only democracy in the Middle East is, is garbage. And, of course, now I think Netanyahu is even saying he doesn't want to get elected anymore. He just wants to stay in power. It'd be nice. I mean, that's a yeah, nice. Just, I, I can't blame just, him. Just yeah. change the constitution. Yeah, it'd be himself, nice. You know, it's yeah. nice to just be a dictator. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when in Honduras, when when uh, uh, the actual elected and extremely popular leader um, in 2009 was just talking about proposing a change to their constitution to allow one-time re-election. Because throughout Latin America, no re-election, especially Mexico, but even throughout, no re-election was a big thing in, in their revolutions. Um, you know, there there was this idea that, well, maybe we can handle a second term. And all of a sudden, he's a dictator. And that was part of the whole U.S.-backed coup that put right wing in charge since 2009 that's caused all the problems. But Netanyahu wants to do it. No, this is genius. I mean, shit. People look, love Netanyahu. Even look at G, when G just did it. I mean, yeah. very recently and said that we want to elim- he's going to eliminate term limits and that kind of a, a mm. concept. It was, oh, my God, this is, this is oh, my, this is, the what the what sort of a nonsense? And in two years or in five years or eight years, whenever it is that Trump decides that he doesn't need yeah. term limits anymore and he can just rule by fiat and whatever he wants to do, it's an interesting tactic. We'll see how that works. Right. I see how that works. That's an interesting. That's an interesting change of pace. That's a. That's a. That's a disruptive idea in the politics space. Let's get the Uber guys involved and see if we can really, really ramp this startup of dictatorship up. Yeah. Indeed, it is enough to compare well-known and indisputable facts to become convinced of the utter falsity of the prospects which Kautsky tries to conjure up before the German workers and the workers of all lands. Let us consider India, Indochina, and China. It is known that these three colonies and semi-colonial countries, inhabited by six to seven hundred million human beings, are subjected to the exploitation of the finance capital of several imperialist states. Great Britain, France, Japan, the USA, etc. We will presume that these imperialist countries form alliances against one another in order to protect and extend their possessions, their interests, and their sphere of influences in these Asiatic countries. These alliances will be inter-imperialist, or ultra-imperialist alliances. We will presume that all the imperialist countries conclude an alliance for the peaceful, quote-unquote, sharing out of these parts of Asia. This alliance would be an alliance of internationally united finance capital. As a matter of fact, alliances of this kind have been made in the 20th century, 20th century, shit, (laughs) notably with regard to China. We ask, is it conceivable, assuming that the capitalist system remains intact and that this is precisely the assumption that Kautsky does make, that such alliances would be more than temporary, that they would eliminate friction, conflicts, and struggle in any and all possible form? 
This question only requires stating clearly enough to make it impossible for any but a negative reply to be given. For there can be no other conceivable basis under capitalism for the sharing out of spheres of influence, of interest, of colonies, etc., than a calculation of the strength of the participants in the share out, their general economic, financial, military strength, etc. And the strength of these participants in the share out does not change to an equal degree. For under capitalism, the development of different undertakings, trusts, branches of industry, or countries cannot be even. Half a century ago, Germany was a miserable, insignificant country as far as its capitalist strength was concerned. Compared with the strength of England at the time, Japan was similarly insignificant compared with Russia. Is it conceivable that in 10 or 20 years' time, the relative strengths of the imperialist powers will remain unchained? Absolutely inconceivable. Therefore, inter-imperialist or ultra-imperialist alliances in the realities of the capitalist system and not in the banal Philistine fantasies of English Parsons or the German Marxist, quote-unquote, Kautsky, no matter what form they may assume, whether one imperialist coalition against another or a general alliance embracing all the imperialist powers are inevitably nothing more than a truce in periods between wars. Peaceful alliances prepare the ground for wars and in their turn grow out of wars. The one is the condition for the other, giving rise to the alternating forms of peaceful and non-peaceful struggle out of their single basis of imperialist connections and the relations between world economics and world politics. But in order to pacify the workers and to reconcile them with the social chauvinists who have deserted to the side of the bourgeoisie, Wise Kautsky separates one link of a single chain from the other, separates the present peaceful and ultra-imperialist, nay, ultra-ultra-imperialist <laughs> alliance of all the powers for the pacification, quote-unquote, of China, remember the suppression of the Boxer Rebellion, mm -hmm. from the non-peaceful conflict of tomorrow, which will prepare the ground for another peaceful general alliance for the partition, say, of Turkey, or Iraq, or Iran, or Libya, or pick your country, yeah. on the day after tomorrow. Instead of showing the vital connection period, vital connection between periods of imperialist peace and periods of imperialist war, Kautsky puts before the workers a lifeless abstraction solely in order to reconcile them to the life to their lifeless leaders. Boom. Yeah. That's a that yeah. That yeah. that paragraph. If there was one if there was one perfect paragraph for what this chapter is, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, I would never want to whittle the whole book because there's too much no. good stuff in it down to a paragraph. But if I did, I'd point there. That's the especially for. I mean, and you got to think about it, it how it how it scales, right? I mean, you can you should be hearing that and thinking about all the countries that that's obviously true in. Yep. But also, you got to remember this was written about World War One. Yeah. And you should immediately think about the Austrians and the Balkan states and Morocco and the fights over you know China and and you know those regions, right? I mean it. It, it, your mind should should be able to disseminate this very quickly with real world examples. You promise them that this is the thing we're again Iraq, Iran, the 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 Afghanistan, the conflicts we entered into. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go into this war because it's going to create peace because we're just in pure Orwell now. We're just yeah. in pure pure nonsense talk. Um, we're going to do this because we have to maintain peace. So to maintain peace, we have to create this war, and then oh, the war's going. Oh, well now now we've created an alliance in the Middle East where we'll we won't have to go to war again because we've mm -hmm. created this buoy of democracy in the middle of the middle, and everything will be. Oh shit! Now there's oh now they're uprising again. Okay, well so much for like this is happening in real time now. Like mm -hmm. oh in, in 
in Lenin's time, they would go in phases. They would at least have the common decency to wait a couple years in between these fucking things happening. We're just doing it in real... The internet, man, we're doing it real time. We're doing it live. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing it completely break down on its face as it happens. Yeah. You cannot, oh, yeah. through imperialism and war and violence, create peace. It, no. You're not going to do it. Now, that's not going to say that to create peace, you're not going to need violence because if you think, again, back to back to my fun man with his watermelon in Twitter, if you think you're going to get to our fun socialist revolution that we're going to need and that's not going to come with any form of violence, you get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, but you're not, but, but trying to sell the people that, oh, we have to go to war so that we can maintain our imperialism and then, oh, our imperialism will prevent war and if you just buy into the imperialism, it will keep you sick. It, it's just, it's nonsense. And it degrades every time, ever, always, and forever. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's going to go into an American writer named David Jane Hill and his Diplomacy of the International Development of Europe. And he, oh. talk, he talks about uh, periods of uh, contemporary di diplomatic history. And they are listed. One, the revolutionary period. Two, the constitutional movement. Three, the present period of commercial imperialism. Another writer divides this history of Great Britain foreign policy since 1870 into four periods. One, the first Asiatic period. That is a struggle against Russia's advance in Central Asia towards India. Two, the African period. That of the struggle against France for the partition of Africa. And France really wanted to partition oh, Africa. Oh, so that. bad. So bad. We're going to get they to that. Were, they were masters of that. Um Three, the second Asiatic period, the alliance with Japan against Russia. And four, the European period, chiefly anti-German, when everybody started, like, panicking and fighting directly against Germany. Yeah. And that's just what it, it's, it's, again, there's always a cycle. There's always a big boo. There's always a big thing that's, that, that, that's the real enemy and the thing we've mm -hmm. got to worry about. And, and, on, and you just keep creating a new one on the horizon so that you can keep justifying doing it over and over again. It's, it's, it's nonsense. Uh -huh. Um. The toning down of the deepest contradictions of imperialism by Kautsky, which inevitably becomes an embellishment of imperialism, leaves its traces in this writer's criticism of the political features of imperialism. Imperialism is the epoch of finance, capital, and monopolies, which introduce everywhere the striving for domination, not for freedom. The result is reaction all along the line. What Ever the political system and an extreme intensification of existing antagonisms in this domain also. Particularly acute becomes the yoke of national oppression during the striving for annexations, i.e. the violation of national independence. They, 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 they came and hit our towers. We have to go take all their stuff. That's mm -hmm. just, it has to happen. For annexation is nothing else than the violation of the right of nations to self-determination. Hilferding justly draws attention to the relation between imperialism and the growth of national oppression. In regard to the newly opened up countries themselves, he writes, the capitalism imported into them intensifies contradictions and constantly excites the growing resistance against the intruders of the people who are awakened to national consciousness. This resistance can easily become transformed into dangerous measures directed against foreign capital. The old social relations become completely revolutionized. The age-long agrarian encrustation of nations without a history is blasted away, and they are drawn into the capitalist whirlpool. Capitalism itself gradually procures for the vanquished the means and resources for their emancipation, and they set out to achieve the, 
to achieve the same goal which once seemed highest to the European nations, the creation of a single national state as a means to economic and cultural freedom. This movement for national independence threatens European capital in its valuable and most promising fields of exploitation, and European capital can maintain its domination to an increasing extent only by continually increasing its means of exercising violence. Vietnam. Vietnam. Mm. Vietnam, Vietnam, Vietnam. You came in, you attempted to take a country that was before pre-capitalist, did not, had its own way of, had its culture, had its way of life, had a thing. Mm-hmm. You colonized them, France, you, you, and then you forced them to, to, to completely destroy their way of, of life and, and subsume to this weird feudal bullshit that you wanted to have. And then they did exactly what everyone does on the natural timeline and realized, wait a minute, this is bullshit. Why are we subject to you? Why do you have some special claim over us? We should be able to self-determine. We should be able to choose what we want to do. And they chose the wrong form, guys. They chose communism, and goddammit, we can't have that. They could have chose anything. They could have decided they wanted to be the most capitalist of capitalist countries in the world. But the second they said they were going to determine it for themselves, and they were not going to be beholden to what France or anyone else told them their way of of self-determination would be, that's when they're an existential threat, and that's when you have to go in and stop them. And that's why you can't find any justification. That's why you have to look for these, again, these encroachments on national sovereignty. The, you have to invent a Tonkin Gulf. You have to invent uh, the Maine. You have to invent these these perceived incursions onto your own national independence to justify walking in and taking away someone else's. Because if you break it down on its face, you couldn't sell it to no, anyone. It's absurd. It's yeah. absurd. It's it's illogical. It's well, insanity. You think about, like, how is how is Iraq running themselves a threat to the U.S.? No. None. None. Not None. At all. But they had to be the ones that were housing Osama bin Laden mm-hmm. or whatever, and then it was okay to And then you can and, twist it from and there to... weapons of mass destruction yeah, and But they might... Pay. And again, that's back to the fun future theory. The fun ultra The But, okay, so they're not doing anything right now. And it's Iran. Iran to a T. They're yeah. not doing any. They're literally doing nothing. Yeah, Iran but guys, is not like some super communist country. Oh my god, no. And But, but they, they... And they have no daring. nuclear weapons program. They no. just have the... Ball, they have the sheer audacity to possibly consider a form of creating their own form of energy independence. How mm. dare they? And now, we're not talking about material conditions. We're not talking about the here and now. We're conjecturing out into infinity the, well, when they do get it, then they're obviously going to do these awful things with it because, God forbid, we're the only ones that can rationally hold all these weapons and not destroy the entire planet into oblivion. So we must intervene preemptively in order to stop. You're creating future possible incursions that haven't... We're past the point where they even need to do anything to us. Mm -hmm. You could just invent this wild idea of a thing that they might do and then sell that as the reason that you're going to have to go in and imperialize their ass. Yeah, and and again, you know, I mean, this is where we are as as Marxist Leninists, right? And you you could contrast that, right? Contrast Iran versus Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam is is a communist country. Yeah. And Iran is not. And obviously, uh, Vietnam is going to bring about what's best for its people better than Iran, but Iran is still going to do what's best for its people compared to being a subjugated nation. Yeah. And both as our own fight for our own revolution and needing to increase the contradictions within our ruling class and um, and weaken our ruling class and out of morality and, and fight for our comrades you know, throughout the world who can't have the revolution, who can't ever have their own independence uh, and, and liberation without 
someone coming down on them unless unless we you know help them in this fight and don't forward things in the imperial core right we have to fight against this but imperialism it doesn't care if the subjugated nation is capitalist or communist no capitalist it just means it's got a couple other opportunities to go in maybe with bank loans instead of bombing and oh also we can bomb them yeah you know i mean that that's it that's still it's still a problem for them yeah. the, the issue for them is the subjugation and the extraction of resources and it comes at the time you look at what the boogie boo is at the time and you can see it you can follow the trend again vietnam chose communism was the the, the impetus for vietnam because at mm -hmm. the time communism was the existential threat to american hegemony and, and everything that we wanted and they were the the, the devil now it's it's we we've pivoted we're off we're off communism for a hot second and now mm -hmm. we've moved on to no 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 it's just anyone who happens to possibly be um um of the islamic faith and isn't our best friend yeah um and doesn't willingly subject to everything we want uh yeah. they're now the devil that's now the boogaboo um, and that's your justification. And you don't need anything. Once you've written that in, that's your thing. They can't do it as well with North Korea anymore. They also they also do a really good thing now of the pivot of they've pivoted away from from they're going to hurt us to but they're hurting their own people and that's our problem. That's our yeah. they hurt. If you can prove that they're doing bad things to their people, well, uh, 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 look, Assad gas gassing his own people. Oh my God, the, the nonsense. North Korea is just a giant starvation camp in the middle of nowhere that just so happens to also be producing, you know, all the you know being a completely self sustaining country essentially with no natural resources. Uh, yeah. But no, but they're a prison camp. It, again, it's just you have to once you concoct the particular scheme you're going to put them in. Then you just paint your picture. You use your you use your New York Times or whatever to to sell your your story to the people where they just don't even question it and assume okay yeah they're this bad thing that I've been told is bad and I don't have to question. And then you do your imperialism. Did you see uh, there was someone talking about? I guess they were taking exception with uh, uh, how you write about LGBT folks or something mm. like that. But they they tweeted out a picture of a New York Times editorial standard thing, right? And oh, it was something in the P's. And there was a footnote that you don't... It was something like you don't recognize Palestinian independence or you don't call them... I can't remember what the picture is, but it was basically explicitly like... Like, their editorial standards accidentally got tweeted out that you don't recognize Palestine as people. No, you rec you don't call them occupied. You don't call them, you don't call them. A, I, that was it. I think it was occupied. Yeah, yes. you don't call them, you don't call them an occupied people. You just, you, 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 you toe the line of, of what Israel Yeah, and that's, toe. that's accidentally tweeted out in their editorial standards. So, you know, yeah, mm, yeah. You mm. don't want to believe it's propaganda. Listen Ooh. to what they tell you. Mm -hmm. To this must be added that it is not only in newly opened up countries, but also in the old that imperialism is leading to annexation, to increased national oppression, and consequently also to increased resistance. While opposing the intensification of political reaction caused by imperialism, Kautsky obscures the question, which has become very serious, of the impossibility of unity with the opportunists in the epoch of imperialism. While objecting to annexations, he presents his objections in a form that will be most acceptable and least offensive to the opportunists. He addresses himself to a German audience, yet he obscures the most topical and important point. For instance, the annexation of Germany by a guy that I'm not going to name. In order to appraise this mental aberration, we will take the following example. Let us suppose that a Japanese... That, that feels dirty in my mouth. I don't like that. Let us assume that... A, 
someone from Japan, is condemning the annexation of the Philippine Islands by the Americans. Will many believe that he is doing so because he has an honor of annexations, as, a horror of annexations as such, and not because he himself has a desire to annex the Philippines? And shall we not be constrained to admit that the fight the Japanese is waging, God, stop that, the Japanese are waging against annexations can be regarded as sincere and politically honest only if he fights against the annexation of Korea by Japan and urges freedom for, from, for Korea to secede from Japan. Kautsky's theoretical analysis of imperialism, as well as his economic and political criticism of imperialism, is permeated through and through with a spirit absolutely incompatible with Marxism, of obscuring and glossing over the most profound contradictions of imperialism, and with a striving to preserve the crumbling unity with opportunism in the European labor movement at all costs. And I, I cannot read that without kind of getting... Sock Dems. Yeah. Sock Dems, Sock Dems. Sock Dems. Hi, Sock oh, yeah. Dems. Hi. Um, if you're here, I appreciate you being here because you, we're, we're not we're not a nice group. We're not nice to you. Um, but, uh, but that being said, Kautsky is sock dems. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it's it's clear and clear. And at the end of the day, everything you think. Well, let's let's think about what's what's the Please. current sock dem psyop right now. We brought it up a couple times, right? The the Uyghur Muslim issues, right? Yep. They're criticizing China for it. Yep. Should anyone in the United States criticize a country's bigotry against and treatment of Muslims if that country is not the United States right now? No. It's, it, no. And at the end of the day, everything you're – if you cannot – and this is the problem with, with – I think this is why sock dems naturally have to evolve into something else. They can't stay sock dems. You either, you either go full-on neoliberal – or you go Marxist, or you embrace leftism, because at the end of the day, the contradictions of that ideology are, at their core, they have no ideology. They have no, their, their belief system is not grounded in something that has any material basis. And so you're either going to take the material basis of the status quo, which is the bourgeoisie, which is the, the, the neoliberal, we're just going to do it this way, and this is the best we can ever have it, so we're going to take this. Mm -hmm. um, because if you stare down the barrel of the gun, you're going to realize the only other option is is revolution is marxism is is socialism yeah it's 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 when people look at like the conflicts and the wrongdoing of of liberalism and and they go oh this actually should be reckoned with and then they haven't put the work into reckoning with it they can't reckoning and, with it because and it's the hard. question is how far how far do they stretch themselves to think this is bad this should be reckoned with but i'm not going to do it like yeah. how how many lies do they tell how many mental gymnastics do they go through to stick through that before they give up and either actually do the work of reckoning with it and, and become some kind of real socialist, you know, Marx yeah. Lenin's, or just admit they're liberal and move on. Because, again, you can't... That is not a, a, a mindset that can sustain itself. It no. is not. It is, it is literally... It is you can lie about sustaining that mindset, but you're just buoying into liberalism and holding on it's, to the it, but that, it's, So it's, it, it cannot be interrogated at any level at any mm -hmm. time. It, it and that's, that's not to say that, again, you know, I mean, anyone who's Who's in the United? Because we're not born and bred Marxist Leninists. Anyone's in the United no. States has gone through where they've been, you know, liberal or conservative, whatever it is, and then sock dem, and then probably anarchist in some way, and then probably to Marxist Leninist. That doesn't mean that these ideologies 
bring you to that. No. They more so are a net that drag you back. It's just kind of a survivorship bias, right? Yeah. There's that that net is is there to catch everyone. There's yeah. nobody that jumps to straight Marx and Lenin because no. you've been so scared of like the evil Stalin and 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 how dare you be a dictator loving a sadist or whatever the hell you've been po- poked at with. Yeah, and it's it's because again you look at the you look at how I do you know call it what you want, but. And again, liberal conservative in this country are just the two sides of the same coin. They're both neoliberal oh, sure. nonsense. Sure. So that's an ideology. And it has an ideology. It has a very clear, principled way of doing things. It's awful, but it's there. Yeah. Um, anarchists. I, 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 and again, and, and if you're here, anarchists, you know me. I'm not necessarily the nicest to you either. I'm sorry. Um, but anarchists, I do believe, fundamentally have. An ideology. They have yeah. an ideological grounding, and they 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 can stick to it. They can point back to it. They can refer to it, and they can have beliefs that are consistent with that ideology and live out that that mindset. Yeah, my and, my, my concern with anarchism is the opening for reaction to yes. use yes. their ideology. But they have an ideology. They have an ideology, and except for and obviously there's I mean there's some Marxist Leninists that that aren't actually, you know, communist revolutionaries. They just, like, claim Marxist-Leninism to be counter-revolutionary. There's yeah, certainly anarchists in the United States. You can be performative with it. Yeah, there's certainly anarchists in the United States that do that. The the ones that just want to, you know, show you they're the, the horniest anarchists ever and promote Rahava or whatever the hell, you but know. But again, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to go to react, but you're going to go but, to something. But genuine, true and true anarchists are revolutionaries. Yes. Absolutely. And they can go, and you it's can go. It's very different from sock dem. You can go every which way. Anarchism, I think, can split. Anarchism, I think, is interesting because I think it can split in a couple different ways. I think you can split heavy, heavy. You, you can feed off of that left and end up with the Marxist-Leninists and the rest mm-hmm. of us over there. Or you can hang, you can branch, depending on your, your leanings or your circumstances, you can branch right off of that and head straight fascist. Or, or, or Yeah, it depends on how much you value the individualism exactly. versus how much you, you value the, you know. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean. So, but sock dems. Yeah, sock dems are whether whether they're future revolutionaries and that, that really have good spirit and good heart and hand and are going that way, or they're just liberals that have lowered their bar for, for that too gross line that you don't yeah. cross yeah. and they're going to raise it back up later. Yeah. You know, whichever one they are, they, they aren't revolutionary yet because they haven't yeah. reckoned with and they're never Anything. going to be revolutionary because, again, their whole thing is they're trying to... Well, they'll never be revolutionary as sock dems. As sock dems. Because that ideology can't change anything because it's yeah. on its core. It is conceding the point that we will allow capitalism to keep going. And if you're going to concede that point, you have to take everything capitalism is. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to interrogate what that is. You don't yeah, want to think too the, hard about what that I mean, means. We're we're a few books into the show, and from the beginning of Capital, that's been clear. Exactly. And that's where you get the, the – I put them in the same – I put sock dems in the same category as uh, fully automated uh, luxury gay space communists. Yeah. In my opinion, they're the same group because yeah. they both want a thing – that at its core is ignoring the fundamental base of what they want because you can't. It sounds nice. You but it can't be a materialist anything. and think that there's any form of fully automated gay luxury space communism coming in the next, God knows, in anyone's lifetime that is anywhere walking this earth. Yeah, it's and I mean, possible. at some point, obviously, it's a joke. But even even ironically, I don't. There's yeah. there's, there's total joke, and there's there's positive irony, and the total joke. I mean, when it's sarcasm. Fine. Oh yeah, Again, but there's there's people where it's like it's joking, 
but they kind of want it to, but to the, be But they really do think thing. that there's a form of communism that's going to happen just in America and we're just going to automate everything and we'll be able to survive and everyone will get everything right. they need. But that doesn't involve any reparations to the global south and it doesn't involve decolonization and it doesn't involve any of the things that actually fucking have to happen for that to not still be an oppressive, awful, fucking exploitative system. Right. They they hear the, the oh, oh uh, you think you're, you know, don't like capitalism, but you're using an iPhone and they, they correctly go, oh yeah, the argument's bullshit. And then they never think, okay, but my phone is coming from stuff that's mined horribly in the middle of the Congo, and I need to reckon with this and mm-hmm. and turn over this imperialism and pay reparations. And, yeah. you know, they, 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 they just sit there and go, ah, oh, the comment shit, and then move on. Yeah. So there there are Kautskys everywhere right mm-hmm. now. And, and I would, honest to God, and it, it sucks that we're in that position, but I don't think, again, you can be a materialist and not see it. Every single person on that, everyone on that stage in this election that we're about to go through is at best Kautsky. Yeah. The best that's, option. That's given them a lot of revolutionary credit, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. The best you're going to get is Kautsky. And if, yeah. if you've gotten through all of this and you don't recognize why that shouldn't be something that you build your identity around and, and stand for. Again, I'm not saying that we you should. We would be lucky to get a Kautsky in, in my opinion. I, and I think, I think the you. closest thing to a Kautsky is Ajamu Baraka, who yes. I, I still, I think he runs third party as an advocation thing and would still probably give him more credit as a revolutionary than Kautsky. Correct. But nonetheless... You know. And that's not saying when you walk into the ballot box or you don't show up and vote or you don't do whatever that you don't do the thing that you think is going to be best for your material conditions. Because, again, we're materialists. You can't mm-hmm. just live in a fun ideological thing. But if you're I, – I guess my point is is to claim that any of these people out there, AOC, Bernie, any of these people are anything better than at best, at best, Kautsky-level reformists that are mm-hmm. that are, are – Hiding are, are not are not interrogating the actual problem and just want to gloss over capitalism because it's convenient for them. You're you need to really really interrogate that and, and try and come up with some better mental gymnastics as to why you think that's possible because yeah. it just isn't true. Yeah, and I I want to be clear when I when I mentioned Baraka. Um, he, I believe him to be a revolutionary, but I believe sure. him to be a revolutionary that's using every bit of the system that he can. Uh, Kautsky, on the other hand, is an opportunist, a la a Bernie or yeah. an AOC. But as far as the line they put forward to be elected, if you believe in electoralism, the line Kautsky would put forward is about what Baraka does today. So if you think Baraka is extreme and beyond election and stuff like that, then you think Karl fucking Kautsky would be beyond election, extreme nothing in this country. And look how much of a craven opportunist he He is. And that even... In his country, when you let him run the show of socialists, we got Nazis. Yeah. So, so we you know, have a lot of work to we do. We have a lot of work to do. And that's, again, that's back to the, this is, that ain't praxis by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, but again, recognizing, you need to be able to pull this forward and recognize what are the analogies today? What are the, you know, mm-hmm. who are we addressing today? What parts are we addressing? And when we're talking about Kautsky, I just don't want you to sit back and think, oh, yeah, Mitch McConnell, that Kautsky him. Like, right. no, 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 that's no, like no. Kautsky is Bernie, fuck- but more radical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kautsky, Bert, Mitch McConnell is like, I, I, I don't fucking, what's the, what's the Wilhelm's friend? Oh, God. I, the, the blood, Mitch McConnell's on some blood quantum nonsense. Yeah. He's, this is not, 
the the farthest left that you see in a normal political discourse in this country is still at best opportunist, at best opportunist, and at worst pure reactionary. So yeah. that ends chapter nine. Uh, and uh, in a co- in a hot couple minutes in, in Podcave time, but in a whole week your time, uh, you're gonna get the end, the final summation of uh, of this fantastic little work. Yes. But in the meantime, bye. bye.